So let's everybody warm up, get to it. So you got coffee, Julian? I did. Is and you guys? Decaf or is it regular calf? Oh, it's the real stuff. What? Uh, no mess. No mess. This seeker, man. This is seeker. You know, oh, oh there's there Daniel. Just because I talked. He just fell asleep. Come on, Daniel. In the middle of the episode. <sighs> what? What happened? You yawned. Some you of, some of the yeah. Some of the best seeker moments are is Daniel just yawning. <laughs> Every time yeah. it gets good, Daniel yawns. It's his next Yawning. I'm, <laughs> I'm so tired from this past weekend. He yawns with aggression when I talk. I'm like, mm-hmm. here's a good point. <laughs> well, speaking of that, this is a good segue. What's the verse tonight, Daniel? This is number tonight three. Exodus looking- chapter 43. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or Philippians chapter 1. Still looking at Paul's prison prayers in the letters that he wrote from his Roman imprisonment. So we'll be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And I'll read these out of the ESV, if that's all right. You may. Paul says, it is my prayer. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Paul says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So that's what Paul is praying for the church in Philippi. And um, we, we, we hit on this last week, but just thinking about Paul's situation, that he is in chains, that he is in prison. And remember... Um, you know, he tells us that there, there, there's all these people who are, like, talking trash about him and, and running him down. And and he Paul's got a lot going on in his life, and his prayer for the church is for love. And that's just, that's just such an example to us. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is the number th- three episode that we've done so far of his um, prison epistles, or prison prayers, sorry. <laughs> Um, and so, um, yeah, thanks for reading that, Daniel. This is, um, uh, just a little bit of context. I was just reading up a little bit more and, um, uh, verse six is, uh, is cool. Just a little bit before this, where it says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Just thinking about Jesus is able to, um, to complete the promise and be able to um, kind of set this up so that he can have these prayers and they can actually mean something. It's amazing that to verse, me. That verse um, six. Go ahead. No, you go. Do, do verse six. It, what I'm going to say is I'm going to take us, uh, if I do verse six, I'm going to take us off on this whole rabbit, this whole other thing. So you go ahead, Julie. All I was going to say <laughs> is I was going to comment back on what you started with, Daniel, about how... He's in, like he's in prison and he's writing to them to embrace love as as a as um, a non-negotiable first thing that they need to be striving for. And if, if you keep scrolling up, scroll the way he approaches them, verse two, grace and peace from God, our father 
Um, verse three and four, I'm thanking God upon every remembrance of you. Verse four, especially always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. I've, I've been thinking, I've been thinking a lot about, um, people's honest intentions and I don't want to get all political, but maybe I was just thinking about the election and, you know, uh, conversations that you have around that sort of thing. Um, but isn't it amazing? I know you expect this out of Paul, but still, if you put yourself in his shoes, be in prison and be in all, have all these circumstances. And it seems like every time that we get, uh, get a word from Paul, it's always about the, the, about the good thing that can happen to someone else. It's, it's always, it's always about how they can grow and how their love can abound and how they can have grace from God. Um, but he, it just doesn't seem to be focused on himself. And, uh, I just think that's so powerful in his position that he has the best intentions for the people reading his letter that they wouldn't be drugged down by thinking about him or that he could even get across some of the things that are bugging him. You know, I got a bad back. I'm chained up to this guy. I haven't moved my legs in weeks. You know, he's not. He's just like, I want you to experience the fullness of God. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that that on offer to everyone through the gospel, though, isn't it? Isn't that a, a fr- the gospel bearing fruit in your life? That whatever yeah. your circumstance and whatever's going on in the world around us, you know, love, joy, and peace can be ours every single day. And the the grace and the mercy and the the forgiveness that Christ brings through the cross that's that's all ours. And Paul's prayers over and over again. It doesn't seem like he's praying for anything terribly out of bounds. He's not praying for um, for this mystical experience where they're given something they don't have. His prayers are always that they understand what they've already got, it seems to Ooh. me. Ooh. It seems to me his prayer is that, you know, he's, he's asking for knowledge and discernment, right? Of, of what? Of... The fact that they are saints in Christ Jesus, that they are bought with the blood of Christ, that that they have what he said, what he calls in Ephesians, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is already ours, and the things he's praying here are spiritual blessings that already belong to the church. It seems like he just wants them to realize it. You know, when we were together in the same room, this is one of those times I would have been pointing at your face. I'm like, yeah, this is, mm-hmm, and, and then I would have eaten Doritos and Jesse would have yelled at me for eating. But yeah, <laughs> I'm loud. with you. Very loud. I'm with you because this is, this is actually one of the, such a powerful point that we should remember today. Um, and I know that's where you're driving, but all the spiritual blessings, like you said, that we have in Christ Jesus, um, all that is already offered to us as believers, it, it's just a matter of taking hold. You know, it's like it's like when we talk about um, the gift uh, of John three sixteen, the the fact that God has given us His Son, that those who believe in Him uh, wouldn't perish, but that they'll have everlasting life. Well, the reason why that's needed 
is because God is trying to bring us in right relationship with him. And the reason why that's necessary is Romans uh, 6.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of... Nope, that's 3.23. Romans 6.23. You need 3.23 too, but 6.23. The wages of sin is death. And the end of that says, but the gift of God is eternal life. And it's that gift. ESV is so cool because it calls it free. The free gift of God. Like that thing is on offer to anyone who believes according to John 3.16 and Romans 1.16. That, that's, up, that's up for grabs. And that is the goodness and the grace of the Lord that he's like, here you go. All I need for you to do is take the thing out of my hands. Like, here you go. Like, as far as I can reach. But you're going to have to, you know, here it is. And I think that's the thing that if we, we keep reminding ourselves over and over again, I'm sure Paul was in prison and he's reminding these folks of it too. It, it kind of keeps us from, uh, not totally, but sometimes getting really depressed and really down, right? When we're able to remember what he's given us, what's out uh-huh. there. And that's verse six, right? Because he who began a good work in you, that began a good work. That's exactly what you've been talking about, Julian. All of that that comes when we make the cross our own, when we die to self, when we're buried with him in baptism, when, when, we're, when we crucify that old sinful self, that's the beginning of the good work. And it continues. It keeps going. And Paul says it's never going to be complete in us until Christ returns and makes it complete. We've always got work to do. But that work that we do is the Romans 8.29, being conformed into the image of Jesus. It's being transformed in the renewing of our minds. It's preparing ourselves for action. I think that's Peter says that. Um, But what Paul's constantly trying to do with the church is get them to look up, right? Yeah, we've got all this stuff going on in the world around us. Yeah, we're in prison. Yeah, you know, the economy's bad. Our jobs are in trouble. Our families, you know, all this stuff is going on all around us. Paul just wants us to pick up our eyes and look to Christ, right? To remember who we are. We are saints in Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.1. We are set apart. We are prepared for something different. And where do we stand? We stand in Christ Jesus. That's how he starts the letter, reminding us, this is who you are. Now it's time to, to do the things that those, that, to act like it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, there's a good one in Ephesians for that. Oh, yeah. And in verse 7, while you're looking that up, Julian, in verse 7... Um, it's also awesome because after what you said that Daniel, it just this verse seven kind of teases that perfectly because all these things that Paul is feeling for um, for the saints, he's saying it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all parta- partakers with me of grace and um, like we are we're at a feast together you know like we're all at this like celebration together every day we're all in it together. Because every day we're feasting in God's grace. Mm-hmm. And how cool is that to think that 
uh, that, that's the gift. I think, Julian, you were talking about that earlier. Uh, that's the gift mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we all get to share in every day. And, and if we can't find a way to find joy in that, um, with all the people we love being able to share in it together, then um, that's cause for concern because it's such a beautiful thing. Um, and it's um, <clears throat> when you think about it, this goes back to what you said too earlier, Julian, about the fact that Paul is so focused um, well, I guess both of you already said it, but Paul's so focused on others in his prayers. And um, I think that really just, we do need to take a lesson from that because, um, you know, prayers are way too often just self-centric. I'm guilty of it. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll pray for a couple people in prayers, but like Paul's prayers are never about himself. I mean, they're always about others. And um, and just like his whole outlook and disposition is an, an outlook of service and an outlook of putting others first. Um, and that way they all get to share with him in grace, which is, you know, how this kind of culminates in verse seven, at least. I, I couldn't even look anything up for just listening to what you were saying. It was too good. Uh, <laughs> I, I would come back on what you're saying. I, we should be really careful too, because um, I agree with you in and how I think I kind of selfishly engage the Lord um, with with all the stuff I have going on, right? Um, sure. But this back to what you were saying about the beauty of the grace of God, and you know, this way it says grace and peace, like all kinds of goodness I want bestowed upon you. Um, like I want you to continually get what you do not deserve in peace. Right. And the peace that we have is through Jesus Christ. He's made peace um, because of his death on the cross, like all of that coming together. I think the celebration of that or the, uh, what do we say? Just the appreciation of that often gets swept away. And unfortunately I think we, we kind of choke it out because when we start using this sort of grace and peace language, even though Paul opens up like every single epistle with it, minus possibly one, if you think he wrote it, it, it like even though he opens up that way, we kind of choke it out because when we start using that language, we act as if that's just too soft, right? Hopefully you know where I'm going. I can't see your faces, but <laughs> we we act like that's just too soft and we shouldn't. We should talk about that. It's like our discussion about the Holy Spirit. Like we should talk about that just a little, but let's go get on this over here. But you're we're hearing the words of a man who's in prison, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> how much harder can a guy get, right? You know, he, he, like he's in prison and this is what he has to say from prison. I think we should embrace it a lot more. Maybe I just should. I should embrace this a lot more. You know, just think about it. if everyone was praying for you, you wouldn't have to pray for yourself. Isn't that cool? It's a sermon. It's a sermon. <laughs> Let's just all do it at different times so yeah, that's right. realize this. We got it from here. Seeker series. I love that. I thought Daniel was winding up. I heard some pages turning. Well, I was like, the wheels about are spinning. To. The wheels are spinning. You know, like we, when you pull one of those little cars back a lot, and then finally it clicks a few times. I've actually have one in my hand. You can hear it. It's there. You go. Wow, that was really loud. <laughs> that was pretty cool. You're gonna that was something. Delete that. <laughs> delete that. Go ahead, Daniel. 
but but Paul's prayer here, right? It's it's beautiful and it's profound and it's and it's amazingly encouraging to us, but it also has a point, right? There's a point to the love that he wants them to have. There's a point to the discernment that he wants them to have. And that it's that they can approve what is excellent. That they can be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Right? He wants them, he wants boots on the ground. He wants them to be engaged with the word and with the world. He wants them to be able to tell right from wrong. And then he wants them to go and do what's right. He wants them in he, he wants their faith to be an active, vibrant faith that goes out and does what at the very end of the prayer? What is the ultimate goal of all of it? To give glory and praise to God. Right? It's a prayer with purpose. Um, and I think I think we it's important to pick that part out as well. Because Paul, it's not just theoretical for Paul, right? It's, it's very practical. It's very every day of your life. Have this love. Get it more and more. Get as much love as you possibly can. Get knowledge. Get discernment. Get these things in you so that when you're out there in the world, being the light, being salt, being a disciple, you can approve what is excellent you can be filled with the fruit of righteousness, and you can do it all to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that, that you said in there, um, I was wondering how, how it went with what I just said. And uh, this is, a, I think it complements well in verse uh, yeah. 9, what you were saying about the knowledge and discernment. Because whereas I'm saying, I think sometimes we stifle conversation about love and grace um, because maybe sometimes we think this is a soft topic. Actually, mm. the way Paul has said it and what you just said, because um, you guys are in accord here, is that the only real way to discern and the only real way to really use wisdom and knowledge in a way that is appropriate in, uh, in God's economy and Jesus's is to do it in love so that you approve these things that are excellent. So there's another way to go about this, right? And it is kind of an unloving way, and it's it's sharp, mm. and it's like a weapon, you know? But mm-hmm. it, when I think about what you just said, it's more about this is the way of Christ. And it doesn't mean that just because we talked about love and just because uh, we're, we're trying to embrace what Paul is saying from prison, that we like you said, boots on the ground, that we don't do anything, that we just kind of sit around and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's actually that you sing Kumbaya, but while you're doing it, uh, you're still going to go to war. And and there is a, a really a really interesting way that we do that, because it's in the verse, uh, verse number 10. I have New King James, but it says that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Mm. This is balance, right? Yeah. It, it, but the bat. What's that? My my version. You want me to read it again? Yeah, read it again. Do you have something different? No, I just didn't quite hear all. Of yeah, it. mine says that. Yeah, yeah ESV oh, is different. It says that you may. Yeah, yeah. It says that you may be, uh, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. What does ESV say? Pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
Oh, nice. Sincere and without offense. Interesting. I like that. I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's generally the same thing. But you are in, yeah, in love, you're going to, like he says in 1 Corinthians, we're going to do everything in love, but man, it's still the truth. And because Mm -hmm. we love each other and we lovingly do this, the truth's still going to stand, right? So if anyone, like, you wouldn't be offending God. And and in fact, the way I thought about that, and maybe this, maybe the text is, is kind of pushing us to say, without offense to other people, I'm thinking about this without offense to God, Right? I'm thinking about like Matthew 10, 32, and 33 about mm-hmm. confessing him before men. Right, That's the way I'm thinking about it. That may probably marry up better with the ESV. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I, the way you brought that out was really good. We don't stop. Yeah. Well, the emphasis on love, I think, is important because it goes back to... Um, to Jesse's point about, you know, feasting at this banquet of grace. And I think sometimes, sometimes we kind of leave grace at the baptistry, right? We think, okay, grace got me here. We're saved by grace through faith. I get that. So I get, I get saved by grace. And that's all I have. That's all the, that's all I need grace for is to get me saved. And now I've got, um, knowledge and discernment and so I can start picking specks out of my neighbor's eye, right? That is not at all what grace is. That is a mm-hmm. that's a misunderstanding of the biblical teachings about grace. Mm-hmm. And that partaking with Paul of grace in his imprisonment, right? That's far after his conversion and in his defense and confirmation of the gospel. That's every day of Paul's life. And Paul sees the need for grace. He sees the ongoing presence of grace in his life. And grace is what is bringing him to this point. So it's love It's love expressed through grace that we can approve what is excellent without, you know, turning that around to... Um, Dis- disapproving those who think about it differently, right? There's a difference there. Mm-hmm. There's a strong difference there. And it's love coupled with that ongoing sense of the action of grace in our lives. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good one. The The bad thing is every he's... Uh, Daniel has successfully landed two different outros, but it's so good <laughs> that it's the point that he makes is good enough that we feel compelled to talk about it. Yeah. But twice he sat back in his chair and he's like, and there it is. Why are you guys still talking? Stop it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but those are great points, man. Yeah. Stepping it's back. such a powerful prayer. Oh, it is. And it's just stepping back and, you know, Paul's like in this afflicted state. Um, and he's yearning for them all with, um, with affection, uh, with the affection of Christ Jesus. Uh, I mean, it's just when you think about his, his, where he's at, I mean, he's suffering, he's in prison. He's gone through a lot for these people. And when you think about, you know, Jesus was in the same boat, obviously, he was crucified for us. Um, and this has been something that's been on my mind. And 
I think it goes in here. So maybe it's a good time for me to kind of just bring it up. But um, like the other day, I was carrying something from my truck to my shop. It's like these boxes of laminate flooring because we're doing a little project. And the boxes are like 50 pounds or something like that. They're not, they're not crazy heavy, but they're heavy enough to be where you just carry one at a time. And so I threw one up over my shoulders, kind of behind my, behind my neck and had my arms around it. And as I was walking across the yard with it, I thought, huh, this is kind of like what it would have been like to carry a cross. You know, like you have this kind of beam across your back that you're carrying. And I was like, man, this is definitely, could you imagine, and this is light, like a cross would be way heavier. I was like, this is something that you would definitely notice. <laughs> and, then, and then I started thinking about how Jesus um, told us to take up our cross and follow him. And then suddenly it kind of hit me. I'm like, man, I think I forgot I had a cross. Like when you have a cross on your back, you know it. And it's there. And it's this constant, constant thing on you. And, um, and, and then with what your guys' comments were tonight, and this is why I think it kind of ties in, because we get to be um, you know, praying for others, like when we're in these afflictions, like Paul's doing here. I kind of had this visual of like everyone at our church that we know, like all walking down like the street together. I'm like closing my eyes as I imagine the scene here. <laughs> but um, walking down the street together, and everyone is like carrying this cross, walking up the street. And how how brutal it would be to see everyone in, like carrying this and and like imagine your wife is like falls down because she can't like carry the load of this cross. Like, what would you be doing? You'd be praying for her, right? Or you see like you know like someone in your congregation, some elderly person falls down, can't hardly take the load of the cross. You're praying for them. Like that's all. Your heart is just like. And help all these people that are suffering in front of me, help them through, help them get this thing figured out, help them to have the strength and to be able to like find joy in this trial or whatever it is. And then, and then you think about the fact that Jesus says, also, like in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in Jesus, through his grace, like to me, that's a definition of grace. Through me, something that should have been unbearable and that I shouldn't have been able to lift and do, I can do because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, amen. I was singing outro music. Mm-hmm. I was too. <laughs> if Daniel couldn't get it in two, I figured I'd take it out in the third. Mm. Crushed it. Nailed it. Well played. Some any? some have some have said that I'm an outro blocker, but there's nothing I could do there. <laughs> I don't think you're an outro blocker. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I get all excited. And that doesn't that's not necessarily an outro. It's just like that's just been on my mind. I wasn't trying to do it as an outro. I'm just trying to it's been something on my mind. And then I think it's it's just so powerful when you really like imagine a scene like that and then think about like that's what grace means, is that like we are all walking like with this this burden and we, we should know that we have it. Like we shouldn't forget that we have that we have this cross that we have and and what that means and so you know when you read verses like this where in all these trials and tribulations Paul is just finding joy and making prayers for others and he's just like 
celebrating with others because they can all partake with him in, in grace. I don't know. To me, that's just very strengthening because it doesn't have to be um, a somber thing. Like, we can do the work together. Um, that's just very, very powerful and uplifting. No, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by the way, we're, we're going to get to this later, but when... When, when I think of grace, it wasn't, and we can cut it off, but I wasn't, I think about this, I think about what Paul's saying, I think about what you're saying, but then I'm also extremely humbled by the fact that the person who removes the burden or, you know, pulls that weight upon us so that we don't even feel it still refers to us as like a brother. And that's what we're going to get to in Hebrews, but... Um, Hebrews, I'm reading it. Hebrews 2.11 says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Like, it is mind-blowing that, 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 A, Jesus would even come to this, to this place in this way, take on flesh, do what he did, because we definitely couldn't do it. And and then say, after doing all this for us, because what we would do is after we did this much for someone, we would say, you know what? I did all this for you. Like, you know, you're like you're in servitude, right? After I did this much for you, like I need something in payment. But instead, he says, and and now because of this, because of what my father has asked you, you're made in right relationship, but come be bro- a brother. Like, how does that work? This is insane, insane grace. And it humbles you because you're like, I, I definitely do not deserve that. But mm-hmm. to, to not participate is not to believe what Jesus said. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you think about it in relationship to your own children, even like it, it, it does sound. I mean, at first it sounds um, like unreal to think about like the grace that's unmerited, like that we could even get it. But then uh, you think about your own children and how you would do anything for them, even when they really screw things up. You would still like want to be able to do everything in your power to help out that child, and um, and to think about the fact that we're in that same relationship with God. I mean. We're made in him, his image. Like he knows what the father-child relationship is, right? Like <laughs> clearly, we've got these examples of um, us being children, Jesus being his son, and the pain of all that. Um, and so, sometimes I think, like it feels foreign to think about how much God should love us. But if we really took our own physical understanding of how much we could love our own children, or whatever that looks like. Of course, God could love us that much. Um, some, you know, some of us beat ourselves up so bad and think like, "No, I, I keep screwing up so bad. Like he's, he has to have given up on me by now." No, that's not true. No matter how much you're hurting, no ha- matter how much you feel like you're beating your head against a wall, like he's still there and he's still saying, "Look, I've got grace. You know, come partake of it with me." That's just so cool. And I love saying the word partaking in a sentence. I only get to say partaking when I'm talking about Bible things. It's kind of sad. Mm, yeah, that's I, very true. I read, something, I read something interesting the other day that was talking about God's inherent attributes. 
God is love, 1 John 4, 8. God is truth. He is holy, right? That God's inherent attributes manifest to us as different things, right? So God's holiness manifests itself to us as judgment, as justice, right? He is holy, which means he has to act in in a just way toward us because, you know, he cannot have anything to do with sin. He, he, our iniquities have caused him to turn his face from us because he is holy. He is true. God is, he, he cannot lie. And that manifests to us as faithfulness, right? God keeps his word because he cannot go back on his word. He is therefore faithful. And God is love, and that love It is who he is. He would be love if we never existed. He still would be love. That manifests toward us as grace and mercy. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Right? So when it says, God so loved the world that he sent his son, that action is grace and mercy delivered to us. Because God is who he is. And he is love. And he can't be anything but love. That looks, when we look at that in action, what we see is grace and mercy in the form of the cross. Mm. It was an interesting way to frame who God is versus how he acts, right? And that they're, they're, it's not versus, it's who God is manifested toward us in the way he acts. Um, it looks different when it's from our perspective of God working toward us, right? God working his truth toward us is faithfulness. God working his holiness toward us is justice. God working his love toward us is grace and mercy. I thought that was a really interesting way to think about that. Oh, yeah. That's super cool. I mean, because God is what God acts. God acts like what God is. Exactly. He he doesn't have the problem that we humans do where we we are something, but we act like something else. We -hmm. want to put out the image of something else to those around us. Um, You know, we want to look like we have it all together, even if we don't. Um, But God does have it together. God is love. Like these things, like he doesn't have to fake anything or put on any kind of demonstration. It just is. That's a great way to put it. I I hadn't really thought about it in in that aspect, Daniel. I hadn't either. It was an interesting. It was an interesting article I was reading. I, I really liked the way that he um, framed that concept. Oh, that is really good. I'm just thinking on it. I think I know, back I've now. I've been kind to, of stewing on it for a while. <laughs> I'm thinking back to all these passages that kind of echo that, like uh, when David said, "You know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he." And he's talk, talking about a man, right? We're not trying to tap into what the Lord's thinking. But it's the essence of who the Lord is, and it's it's always on display. Like Jesus talked about uh, fruit, right, in Matthew 7. It just is who he is, and his fruit is consistent. And I think going back to the parent example, that's where we fall short. We may love our kids, but we can't be eternally consistent. We can't be 100% of the time consistent with the essence of who we think we are. Um, right. Yeah, because at the end of the day, who we are does spill out, and it's not always good. 
Uh, it's, From the abundance you know, of a man's heart, he speaks, right? Exactly, right? And and that's that's the other reason why Matthew 7, you know, Jesus says, um, uh, talks about giving good gifts. That the one who asks for a fish, he'll be given a serpent, right? And he says, and you guys being evil, uh, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You can't even do that. But your heavenly father, who he he's going to give those things to those who ask. So I totally agree. That's amazing. It, how many steps, how many levels above he is. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sweet. Good episode tonight, guys. Yeah, I think that definitely, definitely seals this uh, prayer up nicely. Well done. And uh, for everyone listening to the podcast, thanks so much for tuning in to this third prayer. Uh, the next episode is going to be the fourth and final of the prison prayers. And then after that, I believe that we are going to be pivoting into, well, this might be a bad decision. I mean, this Wait, should, I just said it. Bad decision? Oh, no. what? I, mean, I just said it. long look at Hebrews. Yeah, I just you, let him. You, you just said it very said quietly, it. so I thought maybe we could reverse the stuff. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry, sorry. We're, sorry. No. we're going to start by having a, a knockdown, drag out fight over authorship. <laughs> yeah, See, that's right. I, and, and if you'll notice, I hinted toward that. Earlier in the podcast, I threw that uh, out. I know there. you did. I did. Didn't know if you caught that. It's a mm-hmm. go back and rewind, people. <laughs> go back and rewind. <laughs> Fails to say the magic words. Yeah, so that's going to be exciting. <laughs> I was kind of joking about it being a, a bad idea, but it's just going to be. It's a little intimidating. It's a big book, so we got to figure out how we're going to take bites of this thing. So yeah, but it'll be a, it'll be an amazing amazing study because it's an amazing book. Yeah, so thank you for listening, everybody. We love having you out there. We love knowing that you're listening. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of Seeker with us. Take care.